the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are doing an episode all about those big city doctors moving to the little rural country and they, you know, got to <laughs> learn something along the way. That's exactly <laughs> what we are doing today. We are going to discuss the 1991 movie Doc Hollywood. And then we're going to talk about the CBS show Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. And then we're going to do a recasting of Doc Hollywood using actors of today. So Doc Hollywood, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but I just want to just throw it out already. I think it's a movie that people forget. Absolutely. It's it's totally one that they're just like, you know, because Michael J. Fox has so many other like iconic roles with Back Mm -hmm. to the Future, Teen Wolf even, a lot of stuff. But this one just kind of gets, uh, it's, it's in his repertoire that just kind of gets passed along. Um, so I'm kind of Or, or they only remember its sequel, Cars. Yeah, which is, it is exactly like, that's exactly what I've seen people say, um, that Cars is pretty much exactly like Doc Hollywood, but for kids. And with Kinda, yeah. racing. So Yeah. All right. Well, Doc Hollywood came out in 1991. John, what else happened in that year? The film was released on August 2nd, 1991, the Billboard Top 100 single for that week. Everything I do, I do it for you by Brian Adams. You can't tell me it's not worth dying for. You know it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. Oh, yeah. That was uh, that was a big song, man. <laughs> yeah, which uh, was written for Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves. Prince so Thieves, I think the right. mo- that that movie had come out like maybe a week or two before this one. Yep. Surprisingly, I could not find any TV ratings listings for this week, so I'm not okay. entirely sure. It could have been something like Roseanne. Um, sometimes I see 60 Minutes pop up there, so it's kind of hard to know. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks after this one saw the release of the Sim City franchise oh okay nice the new york times bestseller was a book called the kitchen god's wife by amy tan i've heard of that yeah maybe i wrote a question about it maybe uh i recognize amy tan i'm I'm not i've not Mm -hmm. read any of her books yeah and my fun fact for 1991 in a 1991 new york supreme court case stambovsky versus ackley also known as the ghostbusters ruling the court ruled that a seller must disclose or inform the purchaser of a haunting of a property. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that is that's in our court system. It's in the it's in the New York State court system. The New York State. Oh wow! So you have to uh, be open and honest about haunted yep. places. If you're trying to sell a haunted place, you got to tell the people that it is haunted. God. That's, that's that's hilarious. That's 1991. All right, well, uh, it's time to put on that stethoscope and uh, check out Doc Hollywood. Doc Hollywood, 1991, directed by Michael Canton Jones. He also directed Memphis Bell, Rob Roy, The Jackal, uh, a couple other things as well. It's actually based on a book by Neil B. Shulman uh, that was called... Sorry, I was just going to say, I noticed that in the credits this time. I don't know why I never noticed it before. Nope. And it was kind of surprising to learn. 
it's totally surprising. The book was called What? Dead Again? Which is a really weird title, but I, I, I'm really curious about it. But um, yeah, it, this doesn't, this feels, I mean, honestly, you, you look at the plot and it feels like a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. Big city doctor, you know, with uh, crazy circumstances, getting stuck in a small town where he finds love. Like, that just sounds like every <laughs> right. Lifetime movie I've seen now. But yeah, so it came from a book. Very interesting. Uh, music for this movie was done by Carter Burwell. Uh, they also He also did music for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Airheads, In Bruges, which is a fantastic film. Uh, multiple Coen Brother movies, including Big Lebowski, Barton Fink, No Country for Old Men, among a lot of other things. So... The cast for this movie, Ben Stone, is played by Michael J. Fox. Uh, of course, you know him, as I mentioned, Back to the Future, Spin City, Homeward Bound, American President. Teen Wolf. Stuff. Teen Wolf. Uh, Lou uh, Vailula, I think was her full name, played by Julie Warner. Uh, we had talked about her way back with Tommy Boy, uh, but she's done a few other things mm-hmm. as well. Yep. I feel like she's someone who might have made your 90s crushes list. If not, she was maybe an honorable mention, or at least this she moment. She made another list that another, I will oh, mention. <laughs> you will have to bring that one up. Yep. All right. Uh, Dr. Hogue is played by Barnard Hughes. He was in Tron, Lost Boys, Blossom, uh, and a lot of credits for him. Hank is played by Woody Harrelson. You know him from True Detective, White Men Can't Jump, Zombieland. It's Woody Harrelson. Tons of mm-hmm. stuff. Cheers. Cheers, that's right. Cheers, one of his big things. Uh, Nick Nicholson, who is the mayor, was played by David Ogden, David Ogden Steers. Uh, he was on the show MASH back in the day. He was Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast, uh, also the voice of the governor in Pocahontas, and he was on the Dead Zone show, is where yep. we talked about him. Yep. Lillian, who I think owns the diner or runs the diner, is played mm-hmm. by Frances uh, Sternhagen. She was in Misery, a recurring character on ER and Sex in the City and stuff. And then the last person I'm going to mention right now, at least, uh, is Nancy Lee, who was played by Bridget Fonda. Um, Bridget Fonda was in Single White Female, Lake Placid, Army of Darkness. And a very memorable scene in Jackie Brown. Yeah, there you go. Damn, I got to go rewatch that scene. (laughs) There's some good scenes with some of these people in here. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, Doc Hollywood had a budget of $20 million, and it made about $55 million. Uh, so it was not a huge success, but it made its money back and then some, more than double, so it did pretty good. And for me, my nostalgia of the film, I can't remember who showed us this first. I think maybe Dad did, honestly. I think it might have been a Dad movie, but I can't remember for sure. I don't think so. I think Mom had this movie. We had this recorded on tape. Okay. I, I know this for a fact. <laughs> uh, we had this recorded onto a VHS and it was at mom's house, so definitely I think mom okay. was probably the one who showed it to us first. Okay. But yeah, it was one that we watched when we were kids. I absolutely remember us, you know, seeing this one, seeing this one on probably TV as well. Um, but mostly, yeah, you, you, we had it on VHS and it did, and it was it was a regular play. So um, anything else nostalgia other than I think something that you will bring up later talking <laughs> about that one scene? Is there anything else nostalgia wise that you want to talk about Doc Hollywood? No, I just I just remember we I just remember we watched it pretty frequently. We thought it was funny. Yep. So, well, let's see if uh, uh, two older gentlemen going back and rewatching it is uh, just as good. So we start off our scene by scene breakdown uh, at the Washington Presbyterian Hospital in D.C. area. We meet Doctor Ben Stone. He's a very talented young doctor uh, who's apparently going to be moving to Beverly Hills to be a plastic surgeon a very fancy you know 
He wants the he wants the rich cars, money, and girls kind of thing. That that idea of Beverly Hills and plastic surgery, honestly. And we can just kind of tell, you know, at his current job, he's kind of a he's kind of a dick. <laughs> no one honestly really seems to like him because he's got a big head. He's got a very big ego. He's house. He very much so. Yeah, but he's yeah, right. But he also shows he's very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, then we get the title cards that come into the song The One and Only by Chesney Hawks. I didn't recognize the song, but not bad. I didn't either. Yeah. No. So he's driving across the country. He's driving to his uh, job interview in California. We also see him continue to be an asshole uh, (laughs) while he's driving because, you know, he has to, there's traffic from construction. And instead of waiting, he drives off the road and then cuts through. Um, Yeah, he he deserves to get what's coming to him, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) I would say. And, you know, because of his kind of speeding and reckless driving, uh, some cows are crossing the road, you know, as he's cutting through this, this like, you know, non-interstate. And he gets run off the road and he runs through this old man's fence. Just absolutely. <laughs> really. I mean, I think Michael J. Fox does a great job of getting into car accidents, whether he's running over trees in, <laughs> in Back, Back to, to the, the future, future and whatnot. And, and into barns or through people's fences. Uh, yeah. He seems to do that well. Yeah. So uh, he's in South Carolina area uh, is where he's at. And he's just kind of gets out. And he's just he does have like that big city mentality where he kind of talks down to all these other, you know, anyone, you know, these small town folks that, uh, you know, that he sees. Mm-hmm. Um, he tries to kind of fast talk them and this stuff. But um, I do like his little bit where he eventually does admit like, OK, I flattened your damn fence. Uh, what are you going to do? Lock me up? And then, boom, we cut to him being in front of the judge, who that judge happens to be the same old man right. who uh, had that fence that he just uh, ran through. That was a good cut. That was. Um, and you might recognize that guy, the, the, that older gentleman, and the, uh, the judge is played by Roberts Blossom. Uh, he was the uh, old man neighbor in Home Alone. Mm-hmm. The guy who saves uh, Kevin McAllister. So. Anyway, uh, the judge sentences him to uh, basically 32 hours of community service as the town doctor because they are in need of some doctor services. Kind of a wacky, you know, uh, wacky small town thing, you know, kind of getting sent to this. But yeah, just kind of interesting. That's how he's going to get stuck there. Uh, He goes to the hospital where he's going to have to serve out his community service. And he starts making demands right away to this nurse. And this nurse, Nurse Packer, is not having any of this shit. (laughs) She's not having any little bit of it, but uh, she also shows him. I like this. She shows him the note from the current doctor, which is why they need services, because the current doctor, who we know is Dr. Hogue down the line, basically doesn't want to be bothered by anything. He's like, unless you're bleeding shot, you know, coughing or dead, you know, don't call me. And uh, what uh, the nurse gives to uh, to Ben to sleep in is basically just an operating table. She said, hey, mm-hmm. you can sleep on this. And I do like he's like, isn't there anything better? And she's like. Yeah, and just walks out. <laughs> she's, not, she's not having it because he's an ass. And I, I mean, I will say. Well, I mean, to be fair, like she gives him attitude before she even meets him. True, she kind of does. I have seen this stuff even. So I've lived in the, a small town. I mean, I say small. It's thirty thousand people. That's a small um, which town. Is, 
That's a small town. Yeah. At least a small, let's say small, small city, small city, sure. you know, we're probably past town because, you know, under like the 2000 mark and whatnot, that's definitely town. But I've had people, I've seen people like at our city council meetings who they're like developers from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They come down and they, they do this. They absolutely do this kind of like fast talk, like, oh, y'all, y'all are just small peop, small town people. You don't really understand what I'm talking about. And it's just like, you think we're fucking idiots? Like, <laughs> like those kind of people, I mean, uh, it's just, it's wild. But I mean, I've lived in some big cities and these people exist. They oh, just yeah. think just because they're in like a fast town, they absolutely think they're smarter, they're better um, and all this kind of stuff. So it's just kind of kind of strange to me. But anyway, so Mike, so uh, Ben Stone wakes up to this crazy guy in a squash suit standing above him. It's uh, Mayor Nicholson, apparently. Um, and he actually uh, takes him over to a better place to say stay, which is actually a little shack looking <laughs> place. Does, doesn't look much better. No, but at least it's private. At least it's private. Uh, and he once he opens the door and pops in, there's these uh, three nice old ladies that bring him food. Uh, and I will say one of them, which I believe is to be the Lillian, it says, Ben Stone, this here is Miss Violet and Miss Lillian and Miss Maddie. Ladies, this here is Ben Stone, M.D. Fried chicken, boiled peanuts, and sweet potato pie. Catfish, biscuit, butter beans, and watermelon. Hungry man dinner. I'm a bad cook. It's funny because she owns the diner. She owns the diner. Exactly. Or runs the diner, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if she cooks it or she just is kind of, yeah, the waitress or runs it, but it's funny. Um, And the mayor, though, I love his joke here, which I did not. This this went over my head as a kid. Yeah. I caught it, too. And then I noticed it now. He says, wait, 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 come on. It's not going to leave me here in the middle of nowhere with them. It's getting late. Oh, don't worry. Only one of them horny. I'm not telling you which one. (laughs) Only one of them's horny. I won't tell you which one though, <laughs> and he's just he's just messing with him. <laughs> it's it's actually he's kind of fast talking southern, but it's funny. I like him. I'm pretty sure the the correct answer was Maddie. Yeah, because exactly. Maddie Maddie kept, kept like throwing him some lines. <laughs> yeah, yep. So, uh, and then we cut to later on. He's drinking and chatting with these old ladies and whatnot, and uh, they they are making this quilt. On right now, it's a friendship quilt. They have this weird thing where they say, "Oh, the first thing, first time someone sleeps under the friendship quilt, they dream about the person they're going to marry." And I'm like, "Well, is that shouldn't that be like a love quilt or a marriage quilt, not a friendship quilt?" But whatever, mm. it's some BS. It's basically just to get him where he gets drunk, he passes out under it, and we get a scene of a beautiful woman who is derobing, kind of in front of a lake in silhouette, and you see the shape of her. Whoo, everything very uh, nicely. <laughs> Yeah. What's this movie rated again? Uh, PG-13. Yep. PG-13. And so, uh, it's, it's a very extremely sexy scene, mm-hmm. but uh, we're about to see the face as she kind of turns around, but that's when he wakes up, and it's the morning, and he steps outside, and it is a little lake over there, he's a little hungover, and here's the scene I know you want to talk about. <laughs> uh, so, way back, I think in 2020, I figured it was that long ago. Mm-hmm. Our friend Corey invited me on to Podcasting After Dark to do something that they call the Pad Watch List, uh, which was it was like basically a top five of whatever the subject was. And so the subject that we came up with was movies that made us men. Mm-hmm. And this movie uh, made my number five out of the list okay. uh, specifically for this scene. <laughs> yeah. So you get uh, Lou uh, playing... Played by Julie Warner, coming out, emerging from the lake, 
nothing on. And it's PG-13, but you see her her top. You see she is just extremely beautiful, naked out the water. And she's unfazed with being mm-hmm. nude about it right now. And he's obviously super nervous and awkward about like, oh, all this kind of stuff. And she's like, well, it's, you're a doctor, yeah? Nothing you haven't seen. And she shows her quick wit where she kind of turns, you can blink now, as she walks away. Because <laughs> he's obviously staring at her pretty good, which I would too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful woman. And you love her attitude in this movie, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think She's that's, honestly, got, that's that's a lot of what sells it, is the, is equally the, com- sexy. the confidence and attitude. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, well, you know what? Because Bridget Fonda's character is, you know, I would say almost objectively equally as beautiful, mm-hmm. but her attitude completely different, and it's not even close who you're more attracted to. Right. So... All right, uh, then Ben is driven around town by the mayor, kind of shows him, you know, the whole town, basically. And, uh, of course, he's trying to con- or, and he's trying to convince Ben to stay to uh, uh, whatnot, and, and Ben is trying to convince him to lessen his sentence, all this <laughs> kind of stuff. Takes him to the diner, where multiple people are there. Um, they're offering him this job. They're throwing up, you know, which for them would be a lot of money, up to like $35,000 a year um, for a small town. You could probably live pretty good on that, but he... He doesn't want that. He wants the big, big bucks out in Hollywood. That's absolutely him. He's not interested. At the hospital, he's still kind of distracted by all the small town stuff. He's he's just a fish out of water, obviously. He tries to make a long-distance call. Now, this, of course, wouldn't matter nowadays, but Nurse Packer shuts his ass down on that one. You know, no, you got to use the payphone. Uh, so he cut to that, and then Lou walks in, and, of course, he gets very distracted about this. Lou is apparently the ambulance driver. So we find this out. I just looked this up because I was curious. I think the most that they offered him to stay was like 35000 was the highest yeah, that they went. In today's money, that's $77,000. Okay. Same amount of purchasing power, which honestly is still, it's, I mean, it's probably not a lot for a doctor because they're probably used yeah. to making six figures. It's still quite a bit. Still not bad, especially in a Especially yeah, for a small, small town. town. Uh-huh. Yeah, they offer that's pretty good. So, uh, so he does have this interview, but he's able to push it back to Friday. Uh, so he has to somehow find his way out to California by Friday. So he um, tries to flirt with Lou a little bit and, you know, in his own asshole way, but she's not having it. She's she is a smart, independent woman and she's not going to take it. And then he starts receiving patients and we see kind of this wacky montage of mm-hmm. some of these patients that he has to deal with. There's a weird toe guy. Uh <laughs> Who's got some stuff on his toe? A uh, guy with a fish hook that got cut into his finger. Uh, a couple who only comes because they can't read and they need him to read them his mail. Mm-hmm. And this other old lady who has a, a blurred spot. You know, it's right there. <laughs> no, there. It's like a blurred spot in my vision. Out there, no. There, no. No, there. <laughs> I'm cured. I'm cured. <laughs> it's cute. It is fun. It's cute. Um, at the end of the day, uh, a young boy comes in and he can't breathe fully and he's having problems and they want Dr. Hogue right away. But Ben's like, no, I'm the doctor here. I'm doing it. He's got he's very confident. As we mentioned, he's egotistical, but you know, he's also confident in his skills and he's, you know, checking things. He thinks it's this cardiac arrest issue and so he thinks there's something going on while telling the parents this nurse packer's like 
uh, we should probably call Dr. Hogue. Uh, and so she does. And Dr. Ho says, Hogue says, you should probably give the boy a Coke. It's probably a bellyache. <laughs> and of course, uh, Ben is like, you shouldn't mean no way. He knows all this stuff about new medicine. There's no way it's just this. And he's, he's offended that this doctor who hasn't even been in, mm-hmm. um, who doesn't take the time of day for his patients, would come in and do this. So Ben grabs the phone, yells at him infuriatingly, and slams the phone on him and tells him, say, if it's your patient, you get the hell over here. And so he's trying to get a helicopter from this other place to come out. And so while they're kind of wheeling the, the kid out on the gurney, in drives up Dr. Hogue. And he and Ben bicker a little bit. And then Hogue goes up to the boy and he kind of talks to them a little bit. Apparently they've given him some kind of homemade antacid kind of thing as well mm-hmm. as he's the kid's been getting into his dad's chew, yep. if you will, or yeah, his chaw, as they call it. And I guess the mix of the stuff has given him a stomach ache that is going to cause some other issues. He gives him a Coke. And you can see in a uh, grid shot, though, I want to say mm-hmm. you see Hogue kind of talking and in the background, kind of slightly out of focus is Ben and you can see once you know once um he's getting Hogue is getting some of the answers you see Ben just being deflated like oh shit he's right and having to turn around but I want to know what the hell does this stomach ache have to do with him not be able to breathe I that is a that weird, makes that no make sense. sense to me because that there's still a greater to be the I mean the boy can't breathe that's still the greater issue so yeah you're know. right it's it's small town. Uh, Cokes solve a lot of things, John. If there's one thing I, I was Coke I was, does solve a lot of things. Not that kind of Coke, I, but I do, I mean I am a Coke fiend. But I've actually cut out Cokes. I haven't had. It is unfortunate that no one can see the fact that when you said I am a Coke fiend, you immediately put your hand. To oh, your I, nose. I scratched my nose. <laughs> yes. Hey, I, I'm a I was a Coke Zero guy. I could down probably on average I was four or five a day easily, if not more. But at my height. Um, at my height, uh-huh. I would down a whole six pack of the twenty ounce large yeah. bottles of whatever soda yep. I was into at the time. Now it's so addicting, but I'm I'm two months without Coke, and you haven't been had Coke in a long time. I, I'm like five or six years without soda. Yeah, so yep, it's for the best. So and obviously Hoag's whatever Coke mix helps the kid and um, all this kind of shit. So. Uh, all right. Uh, Hogue lays into Ben at this moment of all this kind of stuff and calls him Doc Hollywood. Well, nice work, Hollywood. You were just about to crack open the chest of a six-year-old boy to cure a case of diarrhea. Now listen up, smartass. Next time I tell you how to treat a patient of mine, you better damn well do it, doctor. I doubt you're no crap from Crisco. Um, all right, later that night. Uh, ben checks uh, the mechanic on his car because he, uh, you know, had some issues, which uh, in the garage, the car is taken apart all over. Ben freaks out um, and they think they found the problem, but they need this uh, part from Oregon. This is kind of back in the day where they don't take credit and they don't take checks. They'll only take cash, um, the place out in Oregon and the uh, mechanic as well. So he's going to need some something else for money wise. Uh, and then next day at the diner. We get this attractive local, Nancy Lee, and she is hitting on him hard. Uh, Nancy Lee is kind of like that um, trope of a character, a small town character who's just, she's dying to get out of town and she will, you know, sleep with whoever. Right. Whoever can take her out of town is who she will be happy with. Yep. Basically. So she's trying to flirt with him on that, but he leaves her and goes to sit with Lou because she is the object of his interest. She knows him. She's not taking a shit. She's got his number. All of his kind of like <laughs> fancy talk doesn't just just, she deflects it very easily uh then in walks hank and hank sizes up ben pretty uh quickly and we also learn that he's a 
insurance salesman. So he's going to try and do that. You know, he kind of brings up all this life insurance stuff for him and whatnot. Um, and then again, Nancy Lee comes in hard and flirts and just kind of scares him away. So Ben runs out after that, uh, sees the mayor and talks to him about Southern women. And just they have a little discussion here. And that's where, uh, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you can't, you're not going to get one of those. You're not going to get her, get Lou. And uh, he thinks, oh, it'll take a year to, to he's trying to get him to stay or something. Ben's like, no, nah, give me one week. And so he's, <laughs> they're making a bet for $10 that uh, Ben can get with Lou in that time. So the next day, uh, he gets clocked in by Miss Nurse Packer. Just a side little thing that bothers him. He feels he's above that. It feels, again, feels it's small town stuff. But also a little bit of a, rem- a reminder that he has to, you know, serve his time. Right. Doing this. So uh, then the tow guy who uh, got got healed by the doctor comes in uh, as a thank you gift, basically uh, gives him this pig. Very small town mentality. You know, it kind of reminded me a little bit because we talked uh, to Kill a Mockingbird back in the mm-hmm. day. There's that one guy who who drops off. Was it turnips or potatoes? I can't remember. Yeah, something like something that. like that to, uh, to Atticus. So same kind of thing. So and then he's uh, walking around town with the pig. I do like this. You get some cute music and you get just people. Oh, nice pig, Doc. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Nice pig, Doc. Thank you. Nice pig, Doc. Thank you. Thank you all very much. As he walks in and uh, he gets an invite from the mayor to dinner that night. And so then Ben walks over to Melvin, the mechanic. I mean, we are going to cast Melvin later. I didn't mention who who the actor was um, because he was just a little bit lower when I when I did those notes he was a little bit lower on the imdb list but he actually shows up quite a bit mm. melvin i felt Me- melvin was um was shown a good bit and he's played by mel winkler who honestly hasn't done much uh well no i take that back he has 65 credits he doesn't i has said he doesn't do much because he didn't have an imdb picture but he's got 75 credits he yeah. worked up did a lot of uh, video game voices yeah yeah so nice and, uh, and kind of we- like one-off parts and whatnot yeah unfortunately we lost him in 2020 Mm -hmm. Uh, melvin though at this point is dressed up in a bee costume for his prep for the squash festival there's this big old squash that you know that's why the the mayor was dressed up as a squash and he keeps promoting this uh grady squash for the town of grady which is actually named after grady memorial hospital in atlanta oh the the town is named named after yes because the writer uh used to work there Oh, very cool. Okay. Didn't know that. Melvin uh, barters with Ben, and he is going to take the pig as payment to get the, the his car fixed. So uh, then we see, again, Ben tries to court Lou, all this kind of stuff. He um, goes over to her place. He you know brings her flowers, and he meets her daughter. He sees her there, which surprises him. And he and Lou talk for a bit. We get some of uh, her backstory, basically, that she... Got pregnant at 19 and all this kind of stuff. Moved to New York with this guy who was apparently a Chippendale dancer <laughs> kind of thing. He asks her, Ben asks her to dinner for, uh, with the mayor, and she says yes. Um, she says, how could I refuse the man who saved Jasmine from the butcher? Huh? Oh, Jasmine is the pig. Mm-hmm. And Lou, which we hadn't mentioned, is a vegetarian. And so she is happy that uh, he saved the pig from the butcher. All right, we cut to uh, Ben running to Melvin's to try to get the pig. He's obviously trying to impress Lou now, and so he's going to try and take get the pig back, which was apparently sold to the butcher. Uh, so he runs his ass to the butcher 
you know, to get the pig back uh, still alive, he has to do all this work. And a nice little bit there, you know. So, oh, well, how did you get all these carving skills? It's because mm. he's a surgeon. So. <laughs> So he and Lou go to the mayor's dinner, and also Hank and Nancy and Dr. Hogue are all there, too. Um, you know, they're all talking about stuff. And afterwards, Dr. Hogue, who's a bit of a lush already, he uh, gives this very sloven, slurred uh, Walt Whitman reading. And he's just, <laughs> I, always, I always kind of remembered this scene. I thought it was kind of silly, kind of funny. Uh, Hank, though, we also find out is sweet on Lou, for sure. And he's protective of her. And, you know, he wants... He th- wants to marry her. He wants to date her later. Uh, ben tries to flirt with her and all this kind of stuff. And again, she sees right through him. So, uh, then she mentions that she wouldn't want the mayor to lose 10 bucks over me. Just kind of emphasizes. She knows the bet. Now this, in this town, every little, every little thing that happens, someone else knows exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Just that small town, that stuff moves around really quickly. So, now, my small town is not obviously as small as this, but I will say information does move. People seem to know, and they want to know people's business all the time. I'm fairly private anyway, but mm-hmm. I do know people, and I have friends. Their entire, almost personalities are, they're the people that know everyone in town and every, everybody's business. So, it's a thing. All right, the next day, Ben takes the pig for a walk to the hospital, and, you know, again, some more nice pig docs, and he's just starting to know the town a little bit better. We can kind of see that as these couple days are going on. Uh, he and Lou drive to do some house calls, um, and he does a house call with the family that he reads to, and some more montage of other housework. I mean, also see, he's getting connections with some of these people. He's getting into some of the, the readings with these families and stuff like that, uh, but while driving... Lou notices these little kind of red flags, little red banners that have been tied around certain trees. And it's apparently from hunters. She mentions it's where they put up their deer stand so they can know where they've been. And then she starts urinating, pulls down her pants and just starts urinating in the area. She apparently says that if she urinates everywhere, it'll help scare the deers away and things like that. So it's a cute little weird scene because he follows her lead and, you know, again, trying to impress her. They start with some little music dancing around and peeing all over the woods it's cute <laughs> so uh, then they kind of walking around and talk and we get some of his backstory we find out that he is originally from a small town in indiana of about two thousand people he got out and he wants to stay out everyone just assumes he's a big city guy but he became a big city guy it's because he was probably i guess a little bit more like nancy lee he wanted to get the fuck out and so he did and he always kind of felt resentful towards the town because his dad was there and his and his dad died apparently and he just you know was never able to get him out and all this kind of stuff so he's he doesn't really care for that mentality and so that's why he is so adamant about big city life then they get uh, a coronary issue they get a call from nurse packer it's dr hogue he's going into cardiac arrest and so ben they rush back and he saves him he legitimately saves his ass uh, and so he's doing all right he stays overnight Packer gives Ben, who's going to stay there overnight to observe his patients, gives him a real bed this time. So you can just end. Again, you can see little bit by little bit, Ben is being appreciated by the town a little bit more, as well as him appreciating the town Mm -hmm. a little bit more. In the morning, Hogue has visitors. He's uh, also got a pipe that he's smoking (laughs) right away, uh, which is not good. But Ben throws his uh, pies that he's gotten and puts his pipe away and all this kind of stuff, um, just kind of. Letting him know, hey, you're under my care and you're going to have to listen to me. So uh, then we get 
the Grady Squash Festival is here. Hey, the hey. parade is going on. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we're getting Melvin and his kind of sidekick uh, mechanic doing the bee costume as they're down on the parade. I will say I'm a little upset we didn't actually get to hear their rap because <laughs> Melvin mentioned that, hey, we were practicing for a rap, right. but then we never see it. Yeah. We just see them in the costumes. So, But all Ben can do is focus on Lou as he kind of sees her on the other side of the street. And he's just, you know, he's focused on her. He gets, uh, he then gets a call. Uh, sorry. He then calls the California doctor. He's trying to push his interview uh, because, again, we see he's kind of enjoying his time here, but he's not able to. He's uh, he's got to he's got to be there for that Friday interview or that's it. All right. That night at the festival, kind of which is also more of a carnival. Hank is very skilled at the gun game, you know, where you shoot a little BB gun to knock down uh, the little things. He's very talented at that. Melvin talks to Ben, says that his car is ready. And then uh, Nancy grabs Ben to dance, but he is able to shake her, and he goes over to Lou. And of course, once they start standing next to each other is where the slow dance comes in. And uh, it's the song Crazy by Patsy Cline. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. And they're both into it. You can see Lou is really feeling him, and, and he's feeling her. Then the judge comes up, and he says, you know what? For you saving Hogue's life, here is a pardon. We will give you a pardon uh, to get out, you know, and you can leave whenever. Uh, but of course, now he's infatuated with Lou, and that's all he can think about. Uh, on his walk home, the mayor again tries to convince him to fully stay. He uh, eventually, he keeps walking, and eventually Lou drives up, and she invites him to, into the car. There we go. We then cut to where she takes him onto a boat. We got some simple fireworks going off. They kiss. Things are... About to get romantic. You know, he tries to invite her to L.A., but she's not interested. She's, you know, she doesn't want to do that. And she's kind of relinquishing to being a one-night stand because she knows he's going to be leaving. But Ben does not do that. You know, the Ben from a couple days ago would have absolutely... That's what he was trying for. Mm -hmm. He would have done this. But we are already seeing in just these couple days in this small town, he has some growth and the attachments he's created. And also he respects the people enough now where he respects Lou. She is not just the object of his desire it's moving beyond that into yeah. something you know more intense and so he doesn't want to just be this uh, one night stand so he he turns it down back at his cabin hank is in his cabin and he's mad at lou he's like i know you're out on the boat with him and ben is freaked out he's like he is he's like oh my god this guy who we know is good at guns and just obviously anyone's bigger than michael j fox bigger than ben more physical <laughs> he grabs a broom to knocks over a lamp Bust through it and just is ready to like fight with Hank, who Hank completely chill at this moment. Right. W what are you doing? <laughs> you know, he, he he had like this is also this is what's a nice thing because it's also sub subverting his expectations. A couple of those kind of things happening in this mm -hmm. movie. One, you expect that the who Hank is not shown as being a bright person. You know, he is good with um, guns and he is just kind of like, you know, seemingly like a old school not man's man's not the right word but he's just that that southern small town guy which you would expect would go to violence of oh you're coming after my woman type of right thing. but he is the one who is extremely chill and relaxed and just like 
kind of they have a little discussion here and you know hank really proving that he is a decent and solid guy which is actually something that lou mentions and so he fulfills that for sure and then ben talks to himself and kind of alluding to the small town where you know he doesn't want to be resigning to a life that his parents had he wants something more for himself so it's nice it's a nice little scene here ben thinks all this small town stuff is beneath him but here he's seeing a woman who is beautiful and smart and everything that he would want in Lou. And we're getting some of these townspeople who are just as quick as he is at stuff. Hogue has shown him that he's smarter than him at some stuff, you know, with the, the whole Coke kid incident. Hell, the mayor has had his, his fast wit, which has out, you know, witted him <laughs> multiple times. And, yeah. and, and, and now Hank as well. Um, and him just being, you know, a quiet, calm dude as well in this point. So, we then cut to Ben breaking into Melvin's place and stealing the car. And he just, he, you know what? He doesn't want to resign himself to this town. So he leaves. He gets in his car and he heads out. But on the way out, he sees some people in need. And they're out of the car on the side of the road. And he first wants to drive through, but he can't. You know, he did take that Hippocratic Oath. Yep. So he needs to stop and pull over. And it's the uh, the family who can't read, who he was reading letters to. The, pregnant, the wife who was pregnant. She is now in labor. Um, and there, there are some complications. The baby's facing the wrong direction. And so it's getting a little bit intense there. But at the same time, all the kind of carnies, uh, you know, in a semi trucks are all driving, um, driving through the road, which in the haste, old Ben just left his car in the middle of the road as he is trying to help this family. The uh, semi truck driver is a little bit tired because it's late at night, apparently. And he... Uh, doesn't notice the car in the road and smashes right through it <laughs> as Ben does deliver the baby and all this kind of stuff, which, um, you know, it's just funny. Again, it just shows he's screwed. He cannot leave. This. Even though he tries, he seems to be doomed to be stuck in this town. Yep. In the morning, uh, Hogue talks to Ben and shows him pictures of all the, the kind of people in town that he has touched, all the, the babies he's delivered you know, all the children in town and the lives and how much they've meant to him. And, you know, also in vice versa, how much he's probably meant to them, which is not something you get with uh, like big town. It's kind of, you know, big town plastic surgery is you cut them, you move on to the next paycheck. Mm -hmm. So Ben does check in with the illiterate family uh, who is there. They have named their child Benjamin, Benjamina, yep. I think is what they did. Just yeah. <laughs> God awful. And uh, the man gives Ben an old homemade pipe, which looks very similar to one of them that Dr. Hogue had uh, with him earlier. So Ben then sees Lou, who kind of cuts him off and tells him that she is going to marry Hank. You know, she's kind of made up her decision um, and that the whole town has bought him a plane ticket to L.A. because his car is busted and they're going to, you know, have the sheriff drive him up to the airport and he can make his um, his interview with the plastic surgery stuff. She doesn't want to hold him back. At first, you see he's going to try to run after her, but when he does, he gets outside, the whole town's there, and they're all there to say goodbye. It's very heartwarming. Um, Nancy forcibly kisses him. Uh, you know, <laughs> is, <laughs> Nancy is good at sexual assault. That's one thing that she's, <laughs> she's very strong at. Uh, but yeah, he ends up getting into the sheriff's car and drives him to the airport, and we su see Lou crying um, as he is leaving. We cut to Hollywood, California. The uh, traffic... They, you know, oh, he's in a cab. That L.A. traffic, man. Yep, I, I know it oh so well. Uh, and he uh, gets to the clinic where his interview is. And I, I always kind of remembered, you know, they ha like they have the reception person and they have like these 
silhouettes behind him, which are actual humans. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Like, it's just people whose job it is to be the silhouette in this one company. Yeah, pretty wild. Uh, And we meet the doctor who is going to interview him, Dr. Uh, Halberstrom, played by George Hamilton. Yeah. uh, Which was a perfect uh, cameo casting. I agree. So he, we know him from Z- uh, Zorro the Gay Blade, Love at First Bite, Godfather Part 3. He's kind of like known as being like a cheesy, overly tanned guy, and that's what he does here. Um, and so we also find out that Halberstrom apparently got a call from Dr. Hogue. Uh, and we also heard some other little things here, just some small stuff that apparently Halberstrom is from the same small town. He grew up with his dad, and so he knew him, and so he got out, and so um, obviously uh, Ben wanted to follow this stuff and he's, he's trying to use him as a resource. But uh, yeah, Hogue gave him a raving review and said, do you have to hire him? And so he does. And so then he's like, Hey, boom. And the, so we start seeing the day-to-day operations, which actually I thought was actually kind of like interesting and almost also almost a more depthy scene to where the plastic surgery that Halberstrom does, he says it's 99% boilerplate plate surgery. And so he's doing like, you know, like the, the, tummy tucks or the fat suctions mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. And then even Halberstrom says, we only get to do about 1% of the meaningful stuff. And he's talking about like hair lips um, and disfigurements and, you know, really helping people, but it's, but it's not that much. You're not, you're helping people only a little bit. And most of it is all just this, you know, kind of a facade mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so that night Ben thinks about the town of Grady and he uh, even calls uh, the weather service to hear the weather for that area. And so the next day, he's uh, given a note from that receptionist at his current place, a girl with a totally southern accent called and she wants to meet him. And he sees goes to this restaurant. He sees his car outside. Oh, man, he's so hopeful that it's Lou. It's Nancy Lee. Yeah. Nancy Lee has driven his car back to him. He, uh, you know, gets uh, info on from the town people and all this kind of stuff, you know, and and. Nancy is getting out of town, and then in comes Hank. Hank is also getting out of town, and he, from his discussion that he had with uh, Ben earlier, he thinks you know the answer might be in L.A., and so he and Nancy are officially kind of moving out for California. Then we cut back to the town of Grady. Lou walks to the door of the hospital out outside uh, and sees Ben and Jasmine the pig. He's got the pig back, and he doesn't want L.A. He wants her. He is going to stay in the town of Grady with her and feel like his life is actually a little bit more meaningful and that a little bit of that southern small town charm. <laughs> and this is our end of our little Hallmark movie, John. And um, I'll go first. How about that? Sure. So I hadn't seen this one in a long time. I really can't remember the last time I saw Doc, Holly- Doc Holiday, Doc, Doc, Doc Hollywood. <laughs> and I always kind of felt like, hey, this was a good, underappreciated Michael J. Fox movie. But I'm glad... To say, my suspicions are 100% confirmed for me. This movie, I think, is still a strong, underrated, underappreciated, cute romantic comedy with a lot of heart. You know, there's stuff that is obviously fits in its time, and even even its small town stuff nowadays has internet, and Amazon can go to small towns and things like that. They're not completely without fully. Um, they have the internets and things like that. But I think the movie... Is, is cute. And from someone who moved from a big town to a small town, I totally understand the, you know, the, the want to get out and do like the fast life and, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, live in this big city and be part of like this big thing. And then at some point, I also really enjoyed the life of, 
oh, I want to be able to see trees between stuff and mm-hmm. kind of be a little bit closer with nature and just kind of have some of that stuff. And I think Doc Hollywood is just a cute story that shows that off. And so I appreciate it and I still appreciate it at my much older age. Uh, much like you, I was actually a little concerned that this was going to hold up. Yeah. I have also not seen it in probably decades at this point. And I also was very pleasantly surprised. I had no problems watching it. It was a lot of fun. Cute moments. I uh, If you've not seen this movie in a long time, and actually even if you haven't seen this movie and aren't familiar with it, to see, um, as you said, one of uh, Michael J. Fox's more under underappreciated performances, I think it's definitely worth checking out again. Yep. And I was going to ask if you showed it to your kids, but because I know that one scene was so much in your mind, you probably weren't going to do that, even though it's rated PG-13. Yes, I didn't show that to them, but that's because they are out of town. (laughs) And I was home alone. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. All right, now we're going to move on to our other big city doctor who moves out to the rural country to do her practice. And we're going to talk Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. This was out from 1993 to 1998, six seasons, 150 episodes on CBS. There were also two made-for-TV movies uh, that happened after the show ended. Interestingly, during its entire run, the show stayed in the exact same time slot, Saturday nights at 8 p.m., which is a bit impressive, I would say. But also, like, to have the power that it did for being a Saturday primetime show. So Saturday is not usually a good slot right? for a lot of shows. Um, this is a show that I also feel was pretty heavily syndicated. It, mm-hmm. it was always around, like, on, you know, PAX or other channels. There were, there were channels that Dr. Quinn, you know, I think about, like, Little House on the Prairie and Dr. Quinn were always running on some certain shows. Like, you know, either in the middle of the day, right? these shows were going to be on. So, yeah, uh, the show was created by Beth Sullivan. Uh, She's done a couple things, but nothing I'd recognized. Uh, The cast for the show, Dr. Quinn, is played by Jane Seymour. I remember her from Wedding Crashers. She was in Live and Let Die, Mm -hmm. uh, the Bond film from back in the day, and she's just done a lot of stuff from Jane Seymour. Uh, Sully is played by Joe Lando. Uh, He had some parts on Bold and the Beautiful, a lot of other small stuff, but nothing else particularly stood out to me. Brian is played by Sean... uh, Tuvi, who brands one of the kids, he has not really done much else. Matthew is another one of the kids, played by Chad Allen. Uh, he was the older of the kids, I believe. Um, he was in something called Our House. I think it was a show, some Saint Elsewhere, and also the show My Two Dads. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Colleen, who's one of the other uh, kids, was played by two different actresses from seasons one through three. Was played by Erica Flores, a few small roles. And then uh, seasons three through six by Jessica Bowman, who was in the movie Joyride with um, Paul Walker and then other small parts for her. Uh, Lauren Bray was played by Orson Bean, and we have definitely talked about him before in Inner Space. He was also the voice of Bilbo in uh, the 70s Hobbit cartoon Mm -hmm. and a bunch of other good stuff. And then uh, plenty as a lot of these shows kind of like have you know put this in line with um, murder she wrote or other kind of stuff like that there's gonna be some cameos from people sometimes playing themselves sometimes playing other characters uh, there's a lot of good cameos in this show johnny cash june carter cash willie nelson kenny rogers trisha yearwood travis tritt i mean a whole bunch of country people right there mm-hmm. but also colin Meany, richard roundtree Kristen davis joseph gordon levitt david carradine and david ogden steers who is uh, in doc hollywood as well as one other very interesting cameo, uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, oh, wow. was on the episode. 
So interesting bit of kind of trivia here too. Mr. Rogers only ever did really appearances as Mr. Rogers or part of Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Yeah. You know, doing maybe one of the puppets or things like that. This is the only role where he actually played a character. Wow. Like he play he had a named character. It was called like um Reverend something, uh Thomas, or I can't remember Thompson. It doesn't matter. But this is the only credited role where he was not Mr. Rogers or part of that franchise. That's uh you have to make a trivia question out of that one. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I wonder he must have been a fan. Yeah. Must have been. You know, now that you so. mention it, I actually remember the Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash episode. I think they get like yeah. They get bogged down uh, against uh, like a tribe of of Indians that are not sh- the Cheyenne because the Cheyenne, the Cheyenne were the yeah. ones that lived close to them, and they're like stuck in like this cabin. I, I just remember seeing where the gun gets broken and Sully has to use a hammer where he wedges the bullet in the wood and then know. hits it with a hammer to try and shoot them. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Weird. I don't know why I remember that specific episode, but I do. That is interesting. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I think I think I saw that. Johnny Cash was in like four episodes and June Carter and three. So like mm-hmm. they had a couple. Yeah. So it must've been like maybe a multiple story arc. On yeah. That. I think be very maybe. Cool. So tell me, John, like how do, well, how do we, how do we remember Dr. Quinn medicine? Dr. I'm pretty sure this was scheduled viewing for us. We watched this mm. pretty regularly. I really do think that this was, and it's probably something that mom got into. This seems like a show that was probably right up her alley. And then we just, you know, we only had like the one TV uh, for mm-hmm. a while, we had a TV in the basement, but it was just hooked up to the VCR. I think I don't think it was hooked up to the cable. And eventually, our Nintendo. Yeah, was well, yeah, on that too. Yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that because I know we watched a ton of episodes, so this had to have been like a family yeah. show that we all watched together. I'm pretty certain, and I, honestly, I can't remember. It must have been with mom if we've watched that much, but I feel like it's a show that dad liked as well. But yeah, this was this was mm-hmm. around. Doctor Quinn was around our lives. Yeah. Some interesting stuff about the show. Uh, the this Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman aired in over a hundred countries. Wow! So it was very popular. Um, the overall plot. So just kind of gotta read this verbatim from Wikipedia, if you will. Uh, the series begins in the year 1867 and centers on a proper and wealthy female physician from Boston. After her father's death, she sets out west to the small wild west town of Colorado Springs to set up her own practice. She makes the difficult adjustment to life in Colorado with the aid of rugged outdoorsman and friend. Uh, of the to the shot and friend to the Cheyenne Sully and a midwife named Charlotte Cooper. After Charlotte is bitten by a rattlesnake, she asks Michaela on her deathbed to look after her three children. So Dr. Quinn settles in Colorado Springs and adopts the uh, adapts to her new life as a mother with the children uh, while finding true love with Sully. Uh, she acts as a one woman, one woman mission to convince the townspeople a female doctor can successfully practice medicine. Yep. And a funny story. So. Jane Seymour, here's here's how she came to the role. Mm-hmm. So she was offered the role at a time when a lot, because I think she'd been doing a lot of films, uh, when a lot of film oh, yeah. actors did not go to TV. She was in a Bond movie, for God's yes. sake. Yeah, she was, she was a name. But what had happened was right before she was offered this, her then husband lost $9 million of their Ooh, money and put them, million. put them put them in financial straits. And basically Jeez. she told her manager, I will take any TV project that comes my way. And uh, pretty much immediately afterwards, she was offered Dr. Quinn. And so she took it. Wow. I mean, that's uh, lucky for her. If she was going to take something crappier. Right. Um, but this, this and, one. And she off. has since said that it is one of the projects that she is most proud of. But and I I think that's just a testament to her as an actress, like her, 
sure. she wants to be a, a good actress. And I think, you know, she her going to do the best job she can created a role that people loved and yeah. th- th- allowed them to keep going. It's definitely a beloved show. Uh, the theme song. Let's talk the music. Uh, was done by William Olvis, and um, it had the very kind of classic old sounding theme song. It's fine. It was fine. It was fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, and he did some other stuff, but nothing else I recognized. So. The series, though, I mean, was somewhat progressive where it would use its historical kind of fiction or its historical setting um, as a vehicle to address other issues, things like gender and race within the community. Mm-hmm. And example one episode, they, they even talked about homophobia when apparently the poet Walt Whitman came to town. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they kind of talked about a whole bunch of I stuff. I wonder if that episode came about um, after. I do remember there was this huge thing uh, with Chad Allen where a paper found out it was like one of those you know people magazine or one one of those type magazines found out that he was gay and was and had told him that they were going to release a story and so Uh, what they decided to do uh which was something that was never done which was chad allen and his i think it's his managers and his pr people or whatever was release it themselves to get ahead of the story so then it was not new um and and pretty much just came out and just because it, apparently, like they were like basically blackmailing him, mm, saying awful. they were going to release this. Yeah, so I remember. I, I think I heard about this in some kind of like e true Hollywood story type show. I don't think it was specifically that show, uh, but I do remember it. Uh, it being kind of a big deal. A whole bunch of stuff. On, you know, I ended up watching just one episode for this, um, but I did kind of remember like some of the other townspeople like mm-hmm. they were like uh jake and hank and horace and um a whole bunch of other people like the the whole town you know yes this was obviously centered around dr quinn her fa- you know the kids that she kind of adopts mm-hmm. but like this was had a very they had a lot of the same townspeople would come in and th- things would happen Bar- uh, uh dorothy played by barbara Bab- babcock i absolutely remembered her too yeah like there's a bunch of people that i remembered in this show so it's like a this was a big ensemble cast for this one yeah so, I yeah. uh, I also just watched one episode. I was going to watch the first episode, and then I saw it was a two-hour TV movie, I, and I was like, I, mm, I, can just, I did the exact same thing. I know what the premise is, so I'm just going to... I skipped to number yep. two. I went and watched the second episode. Oh, okay. Which was a, a great episode, because she's still trying to establish herself in the town, so it's kind of like she's still yep. new. A lot of people, and in addition to the fact that she was a, a woman doctor, uh, back in that day, uh, a lot of times the person who was the doctor was the barber. Oh, okay. And so that's so that you see someone bringing someone in, and they bring him to the barber, and they he was mm-hmm. doing stuff like bleeding them to yeah. to leak the poison out, and you know stupid uh. crap like that. It was a it was a solid episode. Okay, yeah, I watched one from season two. Uh, I just kind of I did the exact same thing. I started up episode one, and then I saw it was an hour thirty minutes. Like, nope, not gonna do that. <laughs> so so I switched over. Uh, to season two, I was like, you know, what, let's see when they're established. And I found someone. Literally, one was called the incident, and so I was like, that sounds like a badass name for an episode. <laughs> so let me something cool. So I watched that one. What was the premise of that one? Premise was um, some of the guys, Jake, 
and he was out with uh, Lauren and Horace. They were out hunting, and they accidentally shot and killed one of the Cheyenne. I, you know what? I town. did look up. I looked up like what were some of the better episodes, and that was the first one that came up. And I, I was, was I really? was gonna watch that one, but I didn't get around to huh. it. The one I just got lucky. Yeah, with the, the one I watched was uh, there was a case of influenza that started around the town, and okay. so like that's what you know they're trying to use old style medicine and she's just trying to tell them no that's not going to work with this and so mm-hmm. they the townspeople get sick and they start to get better and then at the very end dr quinn's finally gets sick because I mean, she's around it because she's the doctor um, and there's mm-hmm. also a supply problem where they're not getting stuff in and so by the time she gets sick all of the medicine is gone so mm-hmm. sully has to go get a cheyenne medicine man to to make like this herbal tea to kind of help with at least with the fever oh, okay. and whatnot so yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, I wouldn't say one of the better episodes, but it was a solid episode. Yeah, I did see that uh, uh, William Shockley, who was played uh, Hank Lawson, who is one of the town's guys, he's like this good-looking head that had this long hair. He had model-esque looks. Mm-hmm. He had a a fan site, not a fan site, but he had these like uh, fan club, uh-huh. and they called themselves. Hank's hussies uh, because <laughs> of his character on this one. And they, I think they, they still have like a Facebook group today. Wow. You can find Hank's hussies um, that are all in love of for William Shockley. So uh, that's just too funny to me. No, he was in Showgirls. Oh, wow. And Robocop. I mean, and Robocop. Oh, wow. He's just, he's just listed I mean, as I creep. So it was probably <laughs> just a small part. Okay. Something interesting about the, the show is that... Um, this does not happen very often with a lot of shows, but they actually let people out on their set. So they were shot uh, at the Paramount Ranch in Agora Hills, and fans were invited to come to the set, and they could watch the show being filmed. Mm. And they could talk to the actors and, you know, get you know things signed and other stuff like that. And so episodes were shot, you know, of its entire six-year pro. Uh, thing were shot at this place and actually you know tourists came you know over years the uh, fans would come to this paramount ranch and kind of see most of the set that's that remained when it did until it was eventually destroyed in a wildfire in late 2019 2018 oh yeah so yeah Those so i do i do actually kind of honestly California remember that wildfire, wildfire. there was i mean there's so many wildfires and in particular around that time it's just where they went nuts it's so. oh, i see it's over by a thousand oaks yeah, just kind yep, of looking yep. at it, and, and I was up in I was up in the valley as well. Yeah, it's so it's so weird, so. like to to hear about like a ranch in Los Angeles because it honestly, L.A. does it for a little bit remind me of Las Vegas, where it's like it's just mm-hmm. city after city, and then like yeah. you get to a certain point and there's like nothing. Then it's just like dust. as soon as you leave like the city, it's just the fact that L.A. is just a gigantic city. Mm-hmm. Yep, the area, sure. Los Angeles area, and I know people in L.A. like hate that when you. Don't differentiate like L.A. from Long Beach or Pasadena. It's all can fuck or up. even Thousand Oaks. It's all L.A. So yeah, I, I remember, and I think I've had this conversation with you before. Uh, a member of your wife's family. I won't say anything more than that. Um, but like we were talking about some stuff. We were at like an, I think it was Easter dinner for you, um, or say something. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, me and my wife we live in L.A. And she's like, you don't live in L.A. You live in the Valley. And I just wanted to be like. You see you next Tuesday. <laughs> I'm just like it's all literally. It's the freaking same. It's, it's all the same. I mean, you can yeah. say Anaheim, and I'm still like it's L.A. It's it, honestly, it's close enough. Yeah, because yeah, there is no gaps between it. It's all it's all literally it's just one city that they say is different places. Right. But yeah. All right. Uh, that's pretty much all I got, <laughs> Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. Um, is there anything else? Well, anything else? Yeah. You want a final notes? And then, uh, sure. I'll uh, start my final notes. Know? 
so I actually I was more concerned actually about this one not holding up than I was uh, even Doc Hollywood. You know, at, out of uh, I don't know how many series what there four or five se- seasons of this S- uh, six, six seasons. seasons. I mean, there's there's you know not everyone is going to be a, a a winner, but the one I watched was solid, and I remember really liking the show. I really think that it probably would still hold up if I ended up going you know through it again. I'm not really sure that this is the type of show I'm going to want to go through again. But if you mm-hmm. did love this show and you were into doing that, I think it's probably still going to hold up. I think it was still solid. It, it's had a lot of interesting characters. You know, it's you got the the as you mentioned the Indian friendly or the Cheyenne mm-hmm. friendly Sully. He was always kind of a badass. I remember like he, oh, yeah, he does. He was someone he, you he was up like to. He, that, and he was like the hunk too. That he was yeah, the one because yeah. he had like he had like Fabio hair, not quite Fabio hair, but he had like a, <laughs> uh, long hair, and and he was kind of a hunky guy. Jane Seymour was just absolutely beautiful. So yeah. yeah, I actually I had fun rewatching the one episode. I might just go back and try to pick out a few episodes to watch. I don't know that I'll watch the whole thing. Yeah. I think I found it on yeah, Pluto yeah. for Pluto TV for free. Yeah, and I want it's on. It was on Freevee as well, okay. uh, which is Amazon's kind of free stuff um, that you can get. And yeah, and I'd say the the episode I watched, the incident, was a pretty solid episode. Mm. And I thought, in general, the show is totally fine. You know, I thought also it was going to come across extremely cheesy and just just not be something I was going to be have interest in. And I'm not interested in starting the show all that right. much. I'm not interested in really kind of you know giving this one. I'm not going to give it the whole binge mm-hmm. you know treatment. But it at least earns my respect. Mm-hmm. I think the show, you're right. If, if I got on a Jane Seymour kick um, or kind of wanted to watch some more older-y, western-y kind of stuff, I think the show actually definitely has value. And I think it's definitely got some some um, good moments, some good writing. Mm-hmm. And overall, I think the show is uh, totally solid. All right, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Doc Hollywood using actors of today. I maybe could see this one being redone. I don't know that there's much of an audience for it for them to want to redo it because it seems like they only want to do redo movies that there's already a huge audience for. (laughs) True. But, you know, if you just called it the Cars recasting. Yeah, I mean, but totally. I think it totally. I agree. It totally fits. Yeah. It could. It could work um, being recast today. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do quite a number of characters. We've got Ben, Lou, the mayor, uh, Doctor Hogue, Nurse Packer, Hank, Melvin the mechanic, and Nancy Lee. Uh, so we'll start right there. And Adam, you can start us off. All right, Nancy Lee is uh, someone who absolutely needs to. <laughs> She wants to get the hell out of the town, <laughs> uh, but she's a beautiful young lady. So I don't think you need to, didn't need to go for like a big name actress here. Um, even though Bridget Fonda was a pretty big name actress, she was to get for it. Um, so I went with someone who is young and beautiful, and I'm sure she could play kind of small town to get the way out. Uh, and she is the daughter of the mayor. At least she is also in my casting as well. Mm-hmm. I went with uh, Agiona Alexis. So it's A J I O N A and Alexis with an. U.S. Okay. Oh, where have I seen her before? I might have used her for a casting before. She is a gorgeous, gorgeous young, uh, gorgeous young lady. Uh, she was in Thirteen Reasons Why. She was in Runaways. She's been in a few I things, guess. not a whole bunch, but in I n- in enough. I never saw any of that. Yeah, I think my wife but, for a while tried to watch Runaways, but I don't think she got very far into it. 
Yeah, I have I have heard it wasn't. No, that great, that's cool. So. Yep. Yep. Um, I ended up going with a little bit of a bigger name, probably just in my haste to cast some stuff. And I went with the actress Joey King. Oh yeah, she's yeah, she's a kind of a young, you know, popular. Yeah. Was she a Disney or something like that? Um, I don't. I might, I might have I might have that messed up in my head, but she's definitely been she's she's been around acting for a good little bit. Hell, she's got sixty eight credits. Yeah, and she's only like in her early twenties, I think. Yeah. So yeah, she's definitely been around for a while. So. Yep, for sure. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's a good call. I've heard good things about her. Melvin the mechanic. Melvin is kind of funny. So, oh, Bullet Train. That's where I saw Joey King in. She oh, was okay. In Bullet Train. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Okay. It's fun. It's a dumb that, fun. Movie. Is that I the Brad Pitt one? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. So for Melvin, I, uh, Melvin has is he's kind of got like a little sense of humor to him, and so yes. uh, I just kind of went with uh, an actor who I've re- seen recently on the TV show Abbott Elementary. Uh, and I went with Tyler James Williams. Oh yes, um, I've heard good. Th- yeah, I remember him from oh, he was a, when he was young. He was an he everybody did, uh, hates Chris. Everybody hates Chris. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I've heard. Yeah, I've seen he kept doing a bunch of stuff. He had a pretty good run on Walking Dead. Yeah, I think that's. I think he's great. He, he's got some good comedic chops from being in some of these uh, comedy sitcoms. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really good call. Cool. All right, who'd you pick? Uh, I went with again, yeah. You got to give somebody who's good at comedy. Um, so I went with somebody who does stand up, um, I believe, as well. But I kind of remember him as a side character on uh, a show that I really liked, which was Superstore. And his, uh, you know, he didn't have a huge role in that show, but he's got stand up stuff to him as well. I'm with Felipe Esparza. He's kind of got a, I don't know, just kind of interesting, scruffyish kind of look to the guy. And I just think he's he's a funny dude. Why don't I remember his character on? On uh, Superstore, Superstore, because he was kind of a, he was kind of a behind like he was he was like one of the he was he was one of the workers, but you know who would kind of like pop in with some like lines every now and oh, okay. then. He wasn't a huge part of it, but he was funny to me. I liked okay. him, and he does stand up. Um, he was on you know also parts of the Eric Andre show and other stuff like that. So. Okay, that's cool. He's a, he's a stand up cool. dude. So cool. I'm cool with that. Uh, all right, Hank, who did you pick? Sure. So. I try to think of somebody who could kind of come across as a Southern dude. Cause I kind of want to, I'm still definitely putting mine in kind of like this small town Southern area. And I think my guy was born in Texas. Yep. He was, which also Woody Harrelson was, mm-hmm. but so maybe there ties there. Um, and I probably could pull off being, you know, so I don't think, I don't know if my guy is as like much taller. Uh, Cause I actually, I think my Ben stone is actually a pretty tall guy, but it doesn't matter. You know, we can get the intimidation mm-hmm. however we need to. Uh, this guy has done pretty well for himself uh, since I remember him first in the X-Men First Class where he played Havoc. Uh, he eventually took on a role for like five seasons or four seasons as MacGyver in a redo of MacGyver. And with Lucas Till is my Hank. Okay. He's in his kind of, um, uh, oh, he's, I guess he's over 30 now. Yeah. So which is kind of like the oh, age range I'm looking for. Yeah, I'd say that's about fine. Late twenties, early thirties is kind of what I'm looking for, anyway. Kinda, so I think uh, he kind of has that. Uh, I think that Woody Harrelson swagger, just with more hair. I think so. Yeah, I think maybe that's what what drew me to him. Oh, that's a good call. I like that. Oddly enough, I also picked someone who was in that franchise of X Men movies uh, for okay. my Hank. I went with Evan Peters. 
Oh, okay. I can see that too. I mean, I know he's kind of, I think he's played like Southern people before. Mm-hmm. He's a great actor. He can do damn near anything. I think he's from Missouri, from like St. Louis or somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, in Missouri, definitely has some rural bits Missouri. that he would probably not far off from it. So, so yeah, he's, I like him a lot as actor. Frank Boner or Ralph, <laughs> Ralph Boner, Boner or whatever in WandaVision. It's one so, of the most disappointing yeah, so. jokes ever. Oh my God. We were all so hyped up, you know, and then they gave us a penis joke. Yeah, and then that was the you know the downfall. Marvel's kind of gotten the writing has gotten worse and worse and worse yeah. since then. Uh, okay, uh, Nurse Packer. Uh, I did not reach too far to get my Nurse Dude. Packer. <laughs> I immediately thought of one person who played a very similar role for a long time, which means I know she can do it. I don't have. I could just offer her the role. We don't have to ask. I went with Aloma Wright. Oh, okay. I see that I didn't. You know what? That fits a lot. I didn't think about that. I went with someone. Yeah, she did. Wow, Nurse, Nurse Packer, <laughs> and uh, and Nurse um, Roberts. Nurse Roberts. Yeah, it was very very similar call. All right, she's older, but that's that's not I, that big. I of a don't deal. think. Yeah, it's an old. It's it's a small town. They're probably gonna need yeah. to hold on to nurses as long as they can. Yep, absolutely. So, all right, not a problem. Um, I I had a. One person in mind. She didn't. She she had the sass that also Aloma Wright shows that she mm-hmm. has in a sitcom that she was on for a while. Now, she hasn't played a nurse, but she's done plenty of stuff. Um, I went with Retta, who was in Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. Do I remember? Oh, I do remember that character from Parks and Rec. That is also yeah. a very good yeah. call. She she was Donna. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that. I thought we were gonna have. I thought we were gonna both be on it. But yeah, I saw Nurse Packer and I was like, oh, I want Donna <laughs> from Parks and Rec for sure. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good call. Okay. Uh, all right. Dr. Hogue, the grouchy, grumpy Dr. Hogue. <laughs> yes. Who did you pick? Yeah. So um, I thought of a couple different kind of old white guys, honestly, for this mm-hmm. role. Um, and then I ended up going with an old white guy who has played medical before and he's done comedies before. And so if this is going to be a. Uh, romantic comedy again you know he can do what he needs to do he'd be funny and he's old i think he's around he might be 89 right now mm-hmm. um or 87 one of those right. um i went with alan alda oh as my dr ho okay so he, you know him from mash yeah. obviously <clears throat> he played uh, hawkeye in that one so he's i just uh, my only thing and this is just i have a hard time saying alan alda is grumpy because he's always he always yeah. kind of plays like, like nicer characters although he's pretty sassy in mash I'll give me that. Yeah. But no, 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 I'm never going to complain about Alan Alda's a great, okay. great actor. Cool. Um, hopefully you won't uh, complain about mine. I went with Taylor Swift. No, I didn't go with Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck the show. Flip my desk over and walk out. Uh, I went with somebody who plays a, a grouchy guy just perfectly, and he's up there in age, but he's still acting around and still getting accolades for it. I went with Danny DeVito. Oh, interesting. He would he would kill it. Yeah, let him like actually have his his white hair that's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would do a fantastic job. Absolutely fantastic job. Uh, all right, Mayor Nicholson. Uh, I actually casted this one pretty quickly. I I had him in you know in mind, and maybe it was because one of the kind of reactors that I like to watch on occasion had recently watched a movie that he was in that you and I had talked about. Um, and it's one of the few times where we talked about a sequel and didn't talk about the first one. 
My Mayor Nicholson is Stephen Root. Oh, of course. He is quick. He could absolutely. I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a fantastic call. And the uh, damn, I'm kind of upset I didn't. The movie that. in question uh, was Crocodile Dundee Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he got held up at knife point in the bathroom. Yep. Well, yeah, uh, you know where <laughs> that was good. So, all right, who did you pick? Sure. So my Doctor Hogue is uh, the father of Nancy Lee. Got to be the mayor. some good with some comedy. You said Doctor Hogue. Sorry, what I say. Not, not the not, father yeah. of Dr. Hogue. Yes, the mayor is the father to Nancy Lee. Um, and I went with a guy who is, I love him from some of his comedy stuff. Now, he didn't do like kind of like the quick wit stuff, mm-hmm. but I know he can because he's a phenomenal actor just in general. And I, because I love him in the sitcom, I've seen him in and I've cast him before. And so I debated to not, but I know he could bring me exactly what I wanted. I went with Andre Brower as my mayor Nicholson. Okay. That, that, yeah works just fine for me he brings you intense drama he brings you a fantastic comedy he's gonna and i could see honestly and i could i'd vote for andre brower as a mayor in any fucking yeah. city and he doesn't have to play a cop so. which, which yeah, he always seems to go. be doing so <laughs> yeah uh all right lou who did you pick for lou all right i struggled with this one a little mm-hmm. bit and i still think there are some other you know definitely other options that would go well for lou the thing that Julie Warner has in spades, and especially in this movie, is girl next door vibes to mm-hmm. me. I mean, man, she's just she's got that, but she's got like good sass, just good everything. Yeah, I, I thought she was fantastic. And so how can I get someone who can do some of that? Um, and so I think this actress also has the beauty of a kind of girl next door beauty. Um, but she's also strong actress and she was in uh, house of the dragon recently and she was in ready player one. Besides that, I went with Olivia cook as my Lou. Okay. So she played, was it Millicent? Is that the, or Allison? Allison. Allison yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. She's almost got a little, you see her picture on IMDb and even her, she's almost got like Rose Byrne. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. So. I see that. No, I'm cool with that. Uh, I don't know how. Then you know what? I don't know how you're gonna feel about mine. I don't know why this actress gave me kind of the same vibes. I think I think mine is a bigger name, especially right now. Um, she's she's on a pretty big hot streak, and maybe that'll help bring people in. But I went with Florence Pugh. That was the first name I wrote oh, okay. down. Actually, okay. Uh, she I had like six different names, and Florence Pugh was the first one I wrote down. Okay. So I, I, I absolutely, obviously, I, I in the same mindset. She just, she seems like she could be like the sassy, sassy look. Attitude. Yeah, attitude. She's absolutely seen her attitude. That, that fits great. So not the same look, but I think the same attitude, and, and yeah, they would work just well. Uh, absolutely. All right, Ben Stone. This was the last one I cast. This is the one I had the hardest time with. I think I picked okay. It's hard to recast something like this. Mm-hmm. But I think I finally settled on an actor who I'm happy with, who uh, who can give me the Ben Stone attitude with still just the kind of niceness. He's actually known for being a very, very nice person. Um, and oddly enough, I just realized I, I uh, casted two Brits for this, but I've seen both of them do American accents, which is fine. But I chose Daniel Radcliffe for my Ben Stone. Okay. I mean, I, hey, he's got shortness uh, with him along with... Uh, Michael J. Fox and things like that. I mean, he's got yeah. I, I absolutely can see that. I I I needed to pick somebody I felt who could at least match the star power of Florence Pugh. Yeah, 
And uh, even though I think she's a little bit bigger right now, he's definitely a, a name that everyone knows. So it would help. And he's hot off of uh, uh, the Weird Al story. Yep. That he had. So. Uh, all right. Who was nice. your Ben? Sure. Uh, so my Ben, I, again, yeah, I think he could play. He's done a lot of stuff. He's done like some some kind of sweet, innocent characters, but also some, um, you know, he's, he's led some different movies. And I think he's got a, he's, he's got the charm of a Michael J. Fox. Can he play the dick on this role as much? I don't know. Maybe I'm sure he can. He's a good actor. He's been in a lot of stuff and he's, and he's been a lead in multiple things. I went with Dev Patel as my Ben. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. I know exactly who Dev Patel is. I didn't need to look him up and I know what movies he's most known for. I don't know that I've actually seen any of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he got some pretty good acclaim in The Green Knight. That was a pretty strong film recently. Yeah, um, Hotel Mumbai as well. But uh, Chappie, I heard, was crap. But uh, I mean, I know him from Slumdog, right. but that was way back. It was like 2000 he was in, or something. Uh, was Second Best Exotic forward. Marigold Hotel. I remember that one getting some yeah. praise. So, oh, Slumdog was 2008. Yeah, yeah he's like, that's right. He was in Last Airbender, but I heard that movie was garbage. It was absolute garbage. So that so don't uh, don't don't. That might be the now. only movie that he's done that I've seen. <laughs> don't yeah, don't judge him I on that one because he's good no, 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 at no. other stuff. <laughs> no, he's he's still making waves, so he's definitely uh, yeah, he's definitely a good pick. I I think that's okay. a good pick. All right, all right. Well, that was our recasting of Doc Hollywood. Please join us next time for another album review. John and I are joined by our cousin and patron Matt Eighty as we talk Slipknot's debut self-titled album. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get